Edwards III, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. What do you do when you have those moments when you're starting to wonder, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. Maybe I shouldn't have responded that way. Maybe I shouldn't have been looking at that. What do you do in those moments? Those can be profound opportunities for growth if you know the three key things to do in those moments. And I want to share with you a great biblical example, one of the heroes on Good Friday. It was the good thief on the cross. I want to talk about the three things he did uh, when he started to realize he was in the wrong. He did three key things that led him to an amazing encounter with Jesus. And, and we can we can experience that in our own lives in the midst of our mistakes and our marriages and our friendships and our workplace and our parishes when we start to realize, oh, I, I, I shouldn't respond the way I think I hurt this person or I was too proud or I was too selfish. In those moments, if we follow these three steps of the good thief, it can lead us to this profound reconciliation and deeper union with Jesus. But if we don't follow these three steps, it actually can lead us to greater distance from our Lord. What will we do? That's what I want to talk about with you today. And it's fresh on my mind because I just got back from Calvary. I, I was in Jerusalem, the holy city of Jerusalem, on pilgrimage. And uh, I was actually there on a uh, more than a pilgrimage. We were actually filming for a new project that I'm working on. I'm so excited to share with you. It's a project that's been dear on my heart for a long time. Uh, some of you, I know some of the listeners are familiar with my work, A Biblical Walk Through the Mass. I, I know others may be familiar with uh, another project I did called Mary, A Biblical Walk with the Blessed Mother. This new project we were just starting our filming on last week is called No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. So we're walking through the passion narratives, the final hours of Jesus's life from the Garden of Gethsemane and his agony in the garden all the way up to his his dying moments on Calvary. And again, I, I've been teaching on this for like 15 years, and it's been on my heart to one day be able to do a project. I'm so excited, so I'm going to ask your prayers. Uh, we're still in the midst of some of the filming and uh, and the, the book writing. I'm working on the book project on this. If you could please pray here in the final weeks of all of our work on this, I would greatly appreciate it. You know, I think many of us Catholics, we've grown up hearing about Christ's passion. We're so familiar with it, right? We, we've heard about Jesus agonizing in the garden. He was scourged at a pillar. He was crucified on a cross. But do we really understand what he was going through? Do we really understand what God is trying to reveal to us today through those profound events on Holy Thursday night and Good Friday? Uh, what we're going to do in the program is get to walk you know, with Jesus. It was filmed on location at the very events at the very sites where these events unfolded, right there at the Agony, right there at Pilate's house, right there at the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem, which is built over Calvary. And so we're filming right on location so you can kind of visually see, but it's not just a visual pilgrimage, it's a biblical pilgrimage. We're unpacking what the what, what, did, what did it mean for Jesus to be in his agony? What did that mean? What did it mean for his sweat to become like drops of blood? What, what did that mean biblically? What did it mean when, when he was charged with blasphemy and he said to the chief priests that he's the son of man? Man. Uh, what did all these events mean in Scripture? What are the Old Testament prophecies behind them, the historical context? And most of all, what important lessons can we learn today from Christ's passion? So we're going to walk step by step with Jesus 
from Holy Thursday night to Good Friday. And as John Paul II said, it's in the Passion narratives where we see the fullness of God's revelation of himself, the revelation of the God who is love. We see his love to the fullness. That's why we call this uh, the program No Greater Love. So uh, you can check out my Instagram page here just this week there on Instagram and Twitter. I've posted some pictures uh, and I did on Facebook last Friday as well. So if you're interested in taking a look at some of the behind the scenes as we were filming, you could you could check that out. But please do pray for the project. Let's jump in now, though, to the character. And this is I'm sharing with you one of the things we talked about while we were there at Calvary. And it was what happened with the good thief. Um, if you've ever attended a Good Friday service, you may have heard a, a hymn that's often sung at many churches. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, and we repeat those words over and over again. And, and it's I think it's fitting because in Scripture, uh, it tells us that the, the good thief didn't just say that one time. He actually repeated that prayer to Jesus. He said those words a number of times. He was saying those words is what scripture tells us. So it's fitting that we repeat that. I want to unpack for us what his movements were, the three steps he took as he was turning to our Lord in that final act of repentance. It's so beautiful here. First of all, I don't know if you know this, the good thief um, he wasn't always good. <laughs> and what I mean by that is he certainly was, was uh, you know, we use the word thief, but he really was, uh, the, the word lestis in Greek means he was part of the revolutionary movements. He was, he was uh, crucified for being a violent revolutionary. And not only is, is he guilty of that, but even just a few hours before this, this final act of repentance, he was on the cross. I don't know if you know this, but he was joining in with the other thief and with the chief priests and those passing by. He was joining in the mocking of Jesus Christ. That's what Matthew's gospel tells us in Matthew chapter 27, that the two criminals that were crucified with Jesus, both of them were mocking him, reviling him. And, and what's fascinating is that when... The, when the good thief starts to have second thoughts about this, as he's approaching his own death, he's realizing, you know, I, I, he's wrong. The first step, the first thing he does is he rebukes the other thief who's persisting in his mocking of Jesus. And I, I think that's fascinating. The word rebuke, uh, that's what Luke's gospel tells us, that the good thief rebuked the other thief. That word rebuke is used other times in the Gospels. Do you remember like who is rebuked often in the Gospels? Read Luke 4, 35 or 4, 41, for example. It's Jesus rebuking Satan and the evil spirits. That's how that word is often used. And I think the good thief is modeling us, modeling for us here. One of the first things we need to do whenever we start to realize maybe I'm doing something wrong is we need to rebuke the evil spirits that are there. And I'm going to unpack that in a moment. But what's fascinating is that the, um, the, 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 the good thief and the other criminal and the chief priests, when they're all mocking Jesus, Matthew's gospel tells us what they were saying. Uh, they were saying things like this, if you are the son of God, come down and save yourself. Now, I want you to think about those words. If you are the son of God, do you know anyone else who said that to Jesus? Do you remember at the very beginning of Jesus's public ministry when Jesus went out into the desert to pray and to fast for 40 days, someone came to tempt him and it was the devil. And what was the opening line of the devil to Jesus when he was tempting him? If you are the son of God, 
change these stones to bread. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from the temple. That's the language of Satan. And the chief priests and the, and the two criminals on Good Friday were echoing the very words of Satan. And so I think it's fascinating that the good thief, who was, was, was a really a bad thief at, at the beginning of the crucifixion scene, has a change of heart toward the end. And then he turns away and he rebukes the other thief. In other words, he's rebuking that voice of Satan that's speaking and mocking Jesus through that other thief there who's saying, if you are the son of God, echoing the same words of, of, of the devil from early on. So you can piece those together through Matthew's gospel, but let's just go back to Luke here. Luke it tells us that the good thief rebukes the other thief. And I, I think that's fascinating because it tells us about the first step we need to take Whenever we're starting to sense, oh, I think I did something wrong. I think I did something wrong. We have to rebuke the voice of Satan. You see, Satan will speak to us in two main ways, I think. There's two ways he often, is his voice is in our heads, keeping us from turning to Jesus and repenting when we sin. Uh, first of all, he, one voice is he's the accuser. That's what he's called in scripture. Satan's called the accuser. And he'll accuse us. And we'll hear these voices in our head saying, you're horrible. You stink. You're, 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 you'll never change. This is too hard. Why do you even bother trying? You should just give up. You can't be forgiven. We have that voice of self-condemnation. That is not from God. When we hear that, that is not from God. That is the voice of the enemy, the accuser, Satan. And, and we must rebuke that voice. Because God is not up there pointing fingers at us. He's not up there saying, you're horrible, you'll never change, you can't be forgiven. No, he's up there like the, the father and the prodigal son with his arms open wide, just wanting us to turn back. He just wants to do whatever he can to, to remove whatever obstacles there are between us. Yes, he calls us to repent. Yes, he challenges us to be better. He doesn't excuse our sin, but he's not up there as the accuser. So when you have that voice of self-condemnation, be like the good thief and rebuke the voice of the devil. That's not coming from God. That's coming from the accuser. But there's another voice we might hear, and that's the voice of rationalization. You know, sometimes this the, Satan will work this other way, where we, we sense we, we did something wrong. Our conscience is a little uneasy about something, but then we're quick to kind of try to rationalize what we're doing. Say, oh, it's okay. It's it's not that bad. I I only did it this one time or I only do this every once in a while. What's the big deal? I'm not hurting anyone. You know, it's okay to drink this much or it doesn't matter what I'm doing with my boyfriend or it doesn't matter, you know, if I watch this show, everybody else watches this show. We, we kind of we're doing all these things to try to rationalize. We say, well, you know, with my spouse, you know, well she started it, so it was okay I responded that way or my kid was really acting up, so it's okay that I responded this way. We do all these things to rationalize, to justify our behavior. Satan will use that voice of rationalization also to keep us from turning to Jesus and repenting of what we've done. But the good thief reminds us of what we need to be doing. We need to rebuke the voice of the enemy in these moments, whether it's that self-condemning voice, the voice of the accuser, or it's that rationalizing voice that's getting us to say, oh, it's not that big of a deal what I'm doing. You know, if you're ever sensing your conscience saying, oh, I, I wonder if I should be doing that, just turn to Jesus right away. Just turn to him and say, oh, Jesus, if, I, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. And then rebuke the voice 
of accusation or rebuke the voice of rationalization. How do you rebuke that voice? Just simply turn to Jesus. Just say his name. That's one beautiful thing to do. Just say his holy name. There is power in his name. The demons flee at his name. Uh, St. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 10, that at the, name, at the name of Jesus, every knee must bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Did you ever read those, those the scripture stories where there's an exorcism when Jesus is present? Man, those demons freak out. They're like, oh, Jesus, we're going to have to do whatever you say. So, you know, whatever you do, please don't just expel us into the abyss. Throw us into these pigs. You know, you know so they're just like so scared of Jesus. And, and so when you say his name, there's power there. And then that voice of self-condemnation or that voice of rationalization will start to dissipate. Another powerful thing you could do is make the sign of the cross. Just trace the sign of the cross over your body. Say, in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. As many of the church fathers talked about, uh, whenever they made the sign of the cross, they believed the demons would flee. Whenever they faced trial, they faced difficulty, persecution, and especially when they faced temptation. They were tempted in discouragement, tempted in purity, tempted to lose their temper, tempted in pride, whatever it was that they were tempted with. They would make the sign of the cross and they believed the demons would flee because at the sign of the cross that, that conquered Satan, they're scared. Uh, and so this is one beautiful way we can take that first step of, uh, of turning to Jesus when we're noticing we're doing something wrong. And that is to rebuke the voice, the voice that keeps us from turning to him, whether it's self-condemnation, thinking I, I just... I can't deal with my sin. I'm just going to, it's too hard. Or rationalization, I'm trying to justify what I'm doing. That leads to the second step of what the good thief does. Do you remember what he does next? The good thief, after rebuking the first thief, he goes on to say, you know, think about the punishment, you know, we're facing Jesus. He's not, he's innocent. He's, he's not worthy of this punishment, but we, we're getting the punishment we deserve. I love this second step. The second step is humility. He's admitting his guilt. That's the second step, to admit our fault, to face the truth of what we're doing. And I think there are so many people out there that are just scared to face the truth in their lives. You know, I think about one of my kids. I remember uh, whenever he would do something wrong, he, he would just go hide. And like we would wonder, where'd he, where, where'd he go? Where'd he go? And he was in a closet. And he'd be hiding in this closet and he'd come out. And, and he was going to that closet because on one hand, he was ashamed. You know, he just didn't want to step out into the light. He just felt, you know, that everyone's going to be mad at him. He just felt really ashamed about what he was doing. Uh, and, and I think that's what happens. You see, when we have that voice of Satan beating us down, you're horrible, you stink, and we compare ourselves to everybody else. I'm not as good of a Christian as these other Catholics I know. I'm not as good of a, a mom or dad as these other mom and dads I know. Uh, and we, we do all this comparison thing. We, we, we feel like we just can't step out into the light and be vulnerable with God. I just feel so ashamed. So we just like go into our closet. Um, we need to create that space to just face the truth. We're all sinners. We've all made mistakes. Some of us, many great mistakes. And we, some of us are enslaved in sin. And yet that doesn't take away the love God has for us and how he wants to heal us and change us. But he can't heal us and change us until we come out into the light, not hide in the darkness. And, and so once we can kind of rebuke those voices of rationalization or, or self-condemnation, then we can, we can create that space to face the truth about my sin, 
about my weakness, that I, I don't have it all together. Uh, and and when, when, I, when I do that, then I can go to the third step. And that's what the good thief does in the end. He entrusts himself to Jesus's mercy. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, we may, you may not realize just how profound of a moment that is, not just for this man, but in all of the Bible. Did you know that there's no one, no one in, in the Gospels who ever addresses Jesus directly by his personal name? There's no one that does that. I, I, I remember just doing the research on this project, and I just came across a, a scholar that pointed that out. It's amazing that other people will address Jesus as Jesus, but with, with a title or some qualification, like Jesus the Nazarene, Jesus of Nazareth, or Jesus, son of David, you know, with a title. But to just call him personally, so intimately, just to speak to him like a friend, that's what this man does. Uh, he's the only person in the Gospels to address him personally, intimately as Jesus. Uh, and then he, he recognizes what, what all the chief priests and Pilate and Herod failed to recognize that day. That is, they, they, he recognizes Jesus is truly the king. He's going to be entering into his kingdom here. That this looks like this tragic moment of rejection and suffering and, and, and humiliation and defeat, but it's actually the, the enthronement of the Son of God, the Messiah. That's what the, that's what this man sees. It's incredible what happens here. But think about this. Think about that closeness he has with Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He just totally entrusts himself into the mercy of God. But that closeness is there. Why? It's because he took the first two steps. He, he took the first two steps of rebuking the voice of self-condemnation, and rebuking the voice of rationalization. If we don't do that, we can never grow in intimacy with Jesus because we're always beating ourselves up. We can't actually face, it's too It's too hard to face the truth of my life because I'm a mess inside, right? All of us are. And I can't, I can't deal with that if I've got that voice of self-condemnation and comparison and, and the voice that I, I, of despair that I, I can never change. I'm never going to be better in my marriage. I'm never going to be better uh, in, in this ver- this this virtue because I'm so enslaved in this other area. I, I could just fall into despair. I, I have to rebuke that voice or I have to rebuke the voice of rationalization so that then I can face the truth of, you know, God, this is who I am. <laughs> I got some good qualities, but I, I know I, there's, there's a lot of messiness inside of me. And, I, I, and most people can't deal with that until they rebuke. Then they can face the truth. And once they face the truth, then they realize how loved they are by Jesus. And we can speak the name of our beloved, our Savior, like the good thief did. We could speak his name with love, Jesus, as a friend. And that's what Jesus wants. And in the end, you know what happens. Jesus gives those words, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus gives the good thief so much more than he even was asking for. The good thief just asks, oh, just remember me. But no, the man says, Jesus says to the man, today you will be with me. You'll be with me in paradise. In other words, you're going to be with me forever. You're going to be with me in, 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 in never-ending joy and bliss and happiness. And that's what Jesus wants for us. So let's remember the three steps 
of the good thief. The most important one is to rebuke the, rebuke those voices, whatever. And they, they, they work in both of us all the time. We're, we're very quick to just blame other people for our problems, justify our sins, say it's not that big of a deal. Let's rebuke the voice of rationalization and let's rebuke that voice of self-condemnation. That's the accuser. That's the enemy. Let's create the space. Then secondly, to face the truth and just go before God. You can do it tonight. You can just go in your own living room or in your own bedroom, kneel down or go to the chapel tonight and just say, Jesus, this is who I am. I'm, I, 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 I'm struggling in these areas. I, I wish I was just a better man. <laughs> just tell, just go before him as you really are. Face the truth and then tell him, Jesus, remember me. Remember me, Jesus, when you go into your kingdom. You know, let's us cry out as a close, intimate friend and experience his love. And he will say to us, especially when we do this, when we go to him in confession, he will say to us that we can be with him if we persevere in faith like this and in love. We will be with him forever in heaven. Well, thank you so much, my friends, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please share this with others. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with friends and family, fellow parishioners out there. I want to th- uh, throw out one other thing to you. If you are interested, in my Rome pilgrimage. I'm going to Rome at the end of May and I actually have a few spots still left. Please contact me. You go to my website, edwardsstreet.com and go to the pilgrimage page for Rome. Uh, you can find information about the pilgrimage there and we'll send you a brochure as well. So contact me there if you have any questions. And by the way, some of you sent me questions a few weeks ago and we did our listeners question and answer episode with my wife, Beth. We weren't able to get to all of them, but we're going to have Beth back on here in the next week or two. We're going to go after some more of those questions. So be be uh, be ready for that. And uh, again, you can always reach me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Please, please, please pray for this project of biblical walk through Christ's passion that will open up the passion for so many souls that they'll encounter the love of Jesus anew. Thanks so much, my friends. God bless you and be assured of my prayers for you this last week when I was in Jerusalem. God bless.